0: We're going to do our Bible study here in these next couple of minutes. So as we're getting set, I'm going to invite you to go to Ephesians. If somebody at the back, if there's some sermon notes, if you don't mind walking through and handing out to anybody who didn't get them, because we're going to be doing a quiz. And you're going to need some paper to write on if you don't have any. So if you would turn there, um, let me just, before we get started and have a word of prayer, remind you about a couple of folks. It's good to see Bob Jarrett here this evening. Bob, I didn't expect to see Bob, but praying for Bob as the doctor's report came back. That wasn't a really good report. Report this week, and as far as the advancement of the cancer, so keep him in prayer. Also, uh, keep others in prayer. We've heard it today in conversation that Barb is doing well and improving after her knee surgery. Jim Baumgartner's doing well and getting along, so keep him in prayer as he's recovering from his foot surgery. And then you guys leave. Is it this week or next Thursday? This Thursday, you leave for the Galapagos Islands, okay, for a medical missions trip, so pray for them. And uh, as well, Kyle and Abby did exchange vows this afternoon, so keep them in prayer as well. And others that you see listed in our prayer sheets for keeping in prayer on a regular basis. Let's do this. Before we get started, we're going to have a word of prayer. Are we done handing out notes? I don't want to pray and then people are trying to hand out notes at the same time. We will take care of that first. Thank you so much for doing that. So if you don't need notes, if you do, keep your eyes open and get his attention. Otherwise, join me in prayer. Father, thank you for this opportunity we have to do Bible study, to learn, to be able to explore and examine some topics that are very important for each and every one of us. And I pray over these next weeks as you, Terry, and we get an opportunity to talk about some of the issues that we struggle with, help us to grow in grace, help us to get a grip on some of these areas of our life that we're going to be talking about, especially this evening as we talk about an anger issue. And I pray that you would just help us to grow and to be honest in that area. We pray as well, Father, that you bless some of the people we just mentioned, that you would encourage them, help them through these difficult times, and help them in their life, and in their ministries, and in the situations that they're going through, facing, or opportunities to serve. And thank you for those who are already in our building, working with the kids, working with the teens. Help them to have a fruitful time. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Getting a grip on your anger. I'm angry that not so many people came back. That's not true. I'm not. But we're talking about this idea of getting a grip on your anger. And the reason that I want to talk about it for a little extended period of time, this is a topic, if you were to take your Bible and start exploring, this is a topic that God frequently talks about. I was kind of a, um, a shocked. By the number of verses, some estimate that anywhere from between 150 and 200 different verses talk about it, that it keeps on coming up, keeps on coming up, and there's multiple different words that are used. So when you're looking and you're saying, okay, well let's, where's this issue? Some of these are what shows up in our English translation, talking about getting a grip on our anger. And the one passage that I want to use tonight as our springboard, and usually we do expository messages, which is, is sticking in one, one text and that alone. We're not going to do that tonight. We're going to use this one passage passage, but then we're going to support with multiple other texts. We're in Ephesians chapter four, where he makes this comment, where he says, be angry, sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. And in this text is just an important, phenomenal text. It gives us several different thoughts to be thinking about. Number one, getting angry is a real experience for most everyone in this room. The word that he uses very frequently is you all, you all be angry, and yet you all do not sin. And he says, you all do not let the sun go down upon your wrath. So he's talking about believers of that century, our century, and saying that this is something that generally we're all dealing with, that we all have to deal with to some, some degree, and we get these experiences. Can you think in your, thought, in your recollection of Bible school, Sunday school, can you think of some saints in the, let's particularly think of Old Testament. Can you think of some godly saints in the Old Testament that had a problem with anger? Or they had a display of it? Moses, when do you think? Okay, well, he threw down the tablets at one time and broke them. Can you think of the other time that stands out? When he strikes the rock, and the people irritated him so bad. I can't imagine a congregation irritating a preacher. But he got so upset with those people, he, instead of speaking to the rock, he struck the rock the second time, yeah. Can you think of somebody else? Who else? Cain, oh, yeah. Yeah, not a real godly man, but he was—he had an anger issue. Kills his brother. Anybody else? Who's that? When, when are you thinking, David? Yeah, there's a couple different occasions with David. You, you brought up the one where they're moving the Ark of the Covenant the wrong way. And as they're moving the Ark of the Covenant, remember, they're doing it on a cart. They weren't supposed to. And they hit a bump. It must have been on Pennsylvania roads. They hit this pothole. And the Ark starts shaking. And Uzziah puts his hand up. And what happens? What is David's response? He, who's he get mad with? God. God, yeah. Uh, another time David gets mad where um, Nabal, remember the situation? Nabal made fun of David and his his troops wouldn't feed him, wouldn't pay him off for protection. What was David going to do? He was going to kill him. He was going to kill him. And who intervenes? Yeah, uh, she comes and she talks the fool out of it. Can you think of other Bible characters? Pastor Art just preached on it here a few weeks ago. Jonah, when does he get ticked? A lot. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. Remember, at the end of the chapter, he gets all mad at God because of the, the gourd that grows and then it, you know, it dies and he's mad. And so you have these different characters, and you mentioned several of them that that I thought of as well. But there's one that we're going to talk about in a few weeks. Elijah not only does he get angry, but he gets really depressed, and he gets so mad he says, "I and I alone am the only one left." serving God, and he gets really upset with how the Lord's let things. Why do we get so upset? Why is there moments we get upset? Maybe our team is losing, okay? And we, you know, get upset because we're really involved. Other moments? When you're tired, you get upset, okay? Any other moments that it happens? How about when you're, you're hungry, my wife will say to me at times, it's time you eat. It's time you eat. Yeah, take a few of those M&M peanuts. Take a go. Just, there's, there's reasons why we get upset. One is because we're impatient at times. Maybe you aren't, but the others get impatient. Uh, think about it. We live in a society, when is everything supposed to be at our hands? Okay, so when we go for a supper, we go to, you know, fast meal. They should bring it really fast, and if we have to wait five minutes. Something's wrong. Okay, we have technology at the, at a moment. Okay, so we are now, and with more technology, do we become more patient? No, no, we get more impatient. Some of you are really good at multitasking. You're trying to squeeze everything in in that short period of time, because you're trying to, you know. Have you ever seen people eating breakfast on their way to work? You know they're driving. They're putting on the not the guys, but they're putting on the makeup. You know they're getting everything done. You know some of you, and it's it's not an evil thing, but some of you say, "Hey, I, I, my life is so busy. I'm going to squeeze in my devotions while I'm going to work. I'm going to listen to it." And we are multitasking. And then what happens? We're so busy and trying to get everything squeezed in. Then all of a sudden, what happens to us? We hit a train in Lebanon, or we get behind that slow driver. And none of us ever get impatient. Or this. You're in a hurry and you want to get through the grocery line and somebody in front of you. You're in the express lane. Have you ever done this? Ten items. You are so upset you're counting their items. How many they have. And you want to make this a righteous issue. Get out of the line. Okay. So we get impatient at times. We We get upset because we're inconvenienced where all of a sudden somebody is putting us out. It's just not something that we anticipated. We, we want a certain item. We go to the store. This is an item we need right now. We get there and they don't have it. Or we order something and it's backordered. And they say, when are you going to get it? Six months to a year. And we feel totally put out by those things. Or we get inconvenienced. None of you would ever have this issue. I get inconvenienced, and it's my besetting issue is when our car breaks down. Whenever our car breaks down, and my wife is trying to play Holy Spirit to keep me calm. And so we, we went to Philly a few weeks back on a Friday evening, and I blew out a tire on the turnpike you know, like a 50, 50 yards from the exit. To get off, and it's raining. Has just a storm has just come, and so when my tire blew, it blew. It was just like that. And I was taking my van, and my van. Whoever designed them, I pray that they have flat tires. Okay, so they, that they learn how it's in those vans where they have the donuts stuck up underneath the middle of the van. Have you ever used those? In order to get the, the tire out, you have to to the console unscrew so the tire drops down and then you have to crawl under and get the tire out of this case. I got a flat tire. The car is like this. I'm not thin. I can't get in there. And it's been raining and my wife says, look at this. It's better. It's really good. At least you're not on the other side where the traffic is. Yeah. Tell me about it, wife. Yeah. Oh, praise God. It's the rain has stopped. Yeah. And so you have those moments, okay, that you feel extremely inconvenienced. Or we're we're busy, you have a day at work, it's very busy, and somebody throws another item on your tray. Right about five minutes of five when you're ready to go home. And it it bothers us. We We get upset about it. Or we get irritated with others. Somebody's sitting there, they're at work. And you wanna go over there and take that thing out of their hand. And it just irritates. And the worst part about it is the more you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. It just gets worse and worse. There was a guy who was telling a story, one of the one of the books I have that he was that's giving guidance and getting over anger, he said he went down to Disney took his family for this wonderful vacation, and they're waiting in line and waiting in line. And he said, we're talking about how fun this is, vacation, and this is just a thrill even though we're waiting an hour for this ride. And he says as he's talking to his family, he knows three teenagers. They're just slowly working between all the, I don't know what you call those dividers, the cattle stall things, and they're working their way and cheating up the line. And they're budding in front of everybody and they're just working. And he said, I just I started getting more and more irritated that these kids are in you know, they're they're not following the rules. They're not waiting. So he said, Finally, when I saw them getting closer, you know, I stood in this line, blocking this way. There's no way these kids are gonna get past me. He says, One of the kids tried to step over. He said, I couldn't take it anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention. What do you think of these three teens? He says his poor kids just wanted to die. But he felt this righteous indignation to get the whole crowd upset about these three teens. And I understand all of us, none of us would like that. And that's inappropriate. But he says, what do you think we should do with these three teens? And he got the crowd cheering, throw them out, throw them out. Um, So sometimes those happen. Or, Or this, we become insistent that things have to be done our way. For what reason? I don't know. But this is the way I always do it, therefore it always has to be done that way. And so we become insistent because this is the way the food has to be made. Otherwise it's no good. This is what we need to watch. You you know, I'm insistent that, Deb, you leave the remote go when I fall asleep so that the game keeps playing, though I'm not watching it. Yeah. What are you trying to do, change the channel? I'm watching it with my eyes shut dreaming. Okay. So we have those moments that it happens. And so, you know, I'm gonna ask you to do a quiz with me, a test, a self analysis. That's why I want you to have a piece of paper. You're gonna need a piece of paper that has a blank, that you can write down numbers. And just evaluate where you're at. Now, I've taken this from some Christian psychologist, etc., etc., who has put this together, and he's doing it somewhat tongue in cheek, but he's saying, I want you to help you to evaluate yourself. How much of an issue? I fear that most all of us are going to become angelic by the time we're done here. So I'm going to ask you to become very honest, okay, as you rate your IQ. Your IQ is your irritability quotient, Okay. That's our IQ tonight. I want you to be honest and realistic, okay? Don't paint this picture of yourself that, you know, you never, ever get upset. And your wife nudges you and says, stop that! Okay, don't do that. Be very honest here. And so we're going to give you numbers. And you're going to, just as I read a statement, you quickly get a number of how, it is, how would you rank. And here's what you're putting down. You're putting down a zero, a one, a two, a three, a four. Okay, of these different questions, there's 25 of them, and then we're going to add up the numbers afterwards of these instances just to help evaluate yourself. We're going to end up coming that we are saintly, godly, and that we are, or we're dead, or we're going to come to a point where, hey, we've got to really deal with some things. And so here, let me get started. You got a pen or pencil, you got a piece of paper, start writing down your numbers, zero t- Doesn't bother you at all. One, a little bit irritated, moderately, quite angry, very angry. Here we go. You unpack an appliance that you just bought. You plug it in. It doesn't work. Where would you go with that? What would be your number? Here you go. Number two, you are overcharged by a repairman who who has you in a bind because he's the only one available to get it fixed. But he's overcharging you. How irritated would you be? Number three, you are the one who is singled out for correction when the actions of others go unnoticed around you. Okay? Like, remember the days in high school? You know, somebody really cut up, but you get in trouble. Number four, you get your car stuck in the mud or snow. Or you break down on the turnpike with a flat tire. Okay. Number five, you are talking to someone who doesn't answer you. At all. They keep ignoring you. Number six. Okay? Number six. While carrying four cups of coffee to your table, someone bumps into you and you spill all the coffee that you paid for. And it costs you a hundred bucks for all that coffee. Number seven. Someone pretends to be something he or she is not and you know it. How irritable do you get with that person? Number eight, you hang up your clothes, but someone knocks them to the floor and they don't bother picking up your coat or whatever the item is. Number nine, you are hounded by a sales clerk the moment you enter the store or the car dealership. We'll add that for you, Mike, okay? They are hounding you. How irritated do you get? Number ten. You made arrangements to go somewhere with someone, but at the last minute, they backed out, and they're leaving you having to go all alone to this thing you didn't want to go to. How irritated would you be? Number 11, you're being joked about or teased when you ask them to stop, and they continue. Number 12, this was in here for me. Your car is stalled at a traffic light and the guy behind you keeps blowing his horn. (laughs) Number 13. You accidentally make the wrong turn into the parking lot the wrong way and someone yells at you, learn to drive! How irritated do you get with that person? Number 14. Someone else makes a mistake at work and they blame it on you. Number 15, you're trying to concentrate, but someone near you keeps tapping their foot, their pen, or pencil. Number 16, you lend someone an important book or tool. They fail to return it when they said they would. Number 17, you've had a busy, busy day. When you get home, the person you live with complains you didn't do something for them that you agreed to do the day before. Number 18. You're trying to discuss something important with a family member who just simply isn't giving you a chance to express your thoughts or feelings, they keep cutting you off. Number 19. You find yourself in a discussion with someone who persists in arguing about a topic they don't know anything about. Number twenty. Someone intrudes and interrupts into an argument between you and another person to rebuke you. How do you respond? Twenty-one. You need to get somewhere quickly, but the car in front of you is going 15 miles an hour in a 40-mile-per-hour zone. God bless them. Does that mean you just drive right over them? (laughs) 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 Number 22. You step on a wad of chewing gum that sticks to your shoe. How irritated do you get? Number 23. You are mocked by a small group of people as you walk by them. Number 24, in a hurry to get somewhere, you end up tearing a good pair of slacks on a sharp object. How upset would you get? Number 25, you need to make a very important call, but you realize your phone has no signal or is dead. Okay? Got to add them up. Now you're getting irritated that you didn't learn math. Okay. <laughs> okay. Got them added up. And I remind you, this isn't written in stone. This is just one man's way of evaluating his counselees. Now, I'm not going to ask who has the highest number. Okay. We're not doing, we're not doing a prize tonight or a trophy. In this way, but if you've got your number, here we go. Okay? Here was how he assessed his, his patients, the people that he was dealing with, his counselees. If you said zero, that you don't get irritated at all, his response was you have the lowest score possible and never get irritated. You're either sinlessly perfect or you're lying. Okay. Let's do the 1 to 45. Your anger is very low compared to most. You're one of the f- select few noble people. Here's one. You are more peaceful than the average person. Here, you are in the average. You respond the way most people do as time goes by. We're getting better. Are we getting closer? Okay. You react in anger quite often. You are more irritable than most people. If you scored 86 or above, you're an anger champion. People with these numbers are often considered hot-headed people. Okay. Now, the flaw with this is some of you who have self-evaluated, you say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm down at the, y'all, I'm, I'm not perfect. I'm three. Okay. So I'm way down low. Therefore, I don't need to listen. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Listen to what we're going to be talking about to help others around you. Or maybe maybe you should get a copy of the questions and have your spouse write down the answers. Okay. You might have a different number that way. But, but here, just to give you an idea, here, what we're talking about is anger is an issue. This was a demonstration to say that most of us have those moments that we get irritated, we get angered, we become impatient. Number two principle that we want to start with as we go through this, this week and next week, getting angry is not always evil. It is not always sinful. It is not always evil. In fact, there are times when if you don't get angry, that might be wrong. Does that make sense? He says in the text, be angry. There are moments that we should be upset. Be angry and yet don't do what? Don't sin. So he's telling us that according to the Word of God, there are moments that maybe it is appropriate. Now, some people respond. Some will grab a few verses. There are passages like this in Ephesians where it says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, let it be put away from you. Okay, We know that. We know that that type of, of response and outburst, that type of clamor is the idea of yelling at somebody in anger, of getting loud and really boisterous. Evil speaking, the word literally in that text is blaspheming somebody, tearing them down, gossiping about them, ripping them to the shreds verbally before their, themselves or before others. That's the idea, if I'm not mistaken, that uh, those two words, the original words. The, the other texts that come up are like, uh, Psalms 37. Cease from angry, forsake it forsake wrath. So some will look and say, okay, I am never, ever, ever to express any emotion of upsetness. Ever. Okay, that's not what the Bible says. Okay, as we just mentioned, there's an imperative that there is moments that we should be upset, that should irritate us, that should bother us. In fact, God himself, did he ever get angry? Yes. Yes. Yes, this is an interesting study. You can do more. I'm just going to give you brief. 475 times there's a Hebrew word "off" that come, that's translated anger um, or wrath. 475 times of those times in the Old Testament, 375 of them are used God getting angry, God having off is the idea, and so we know that Jesus Himself did He ever who never did sin? Did Jesus ever get angry? You're going to think of the immediate such illustration. In the temple, once, twice, on the beginning of his ministry, the end of his ministry. He was so upset that he, did he physically display anger? Yeah, he did. He flipped the tables, you know, poured out the money changes. Do you think of, can you think of any other time he got angry? There's there's several times. Anybody Remember? There's a time where it makes very. It says very clearly. It's one. I'll give you an illustration. He got angry. It says he looked about with anger. This is the time he's in the um, he's in the synagogue and he heals somebody that was brought to him. And when he healed that person on the Sabbath day, what did the Pharisees start doing? Yet they're criticizing him. How dare him do any kind of help healing on the Lord's day, on the day of rest. And they were upset. And they were showing a lack of compassion. Jesus looks on them with anger. And so my point is, there are moments that anger can be good. Just like there's moments when pain is good. What's the benefit of somebody experiencing pain? Is there any benefit to it whatsoever? It's going gonna, it's gonna to encourage them to stop doing something. So is pain a teachable moment? Yeah, but we don't like it because it hurts. Okay, But at the same time, it doesn't feel good, we don't like it, we don't want to see blood, we'll faint, whatever. At the same time, it's not fun, but is there, is there a learning curve that pain provides benefit? Absolutely. Absolutely. You have a little kid, if they touch something that's just, just something that's a little bit hot, can they learn to stay away from the stove? And that's to their benefit. Okay, in the same way, pain, not all the time, but anger in the same way can be to our benefit. We don't like it because sometimes it, it comes with a hurt. We don't want to experience the hurt that somebody did something to us or to our kids or whatever. It's not fun, but you know, it can be a problem because of how we express it. But is it, does, does sometimes our anger motivate us to do something right? To change some things. Like in Jesus' case, he became righteously indignant about it. A form of anger. And I know we can get into all the verbiage of it. But just keep with me as simple as we are. There are moments when it is appropriate for us to get upset. Can you think of some things that should upset us? What's that? Abortion. Abortion. It's killing people. And, and this is me. I'm watching the news and I'm talking. Is it uh, Abrams running for uh, senator governor down Georgia? She made the comments that ultrasound where they hear the heartbeat, that that's a false sound. There is no such thing as a heart beating at six weeks old. And she's making that one of her campaign issues. When I'm watching her making these statements on the stage, this is my reaction is, get off the stage. Yeah, and she's saying, scientifically, it's been proven. So should we, is, should we get upset or motivated at times by some other situations? Can you think of some things that should upset us in a positive way? You said abortion. What else? What you, would what'd you say? Child abuse. The trafficking of kids. The molestation. The abuse of children. We should get upset if that happens. If somebody that we know is doing it, we should be upset enough to report it, to engage. Can you think of other things that might frustrate us? What's that? I'm sorry. <laughs> should it motivate us to vote and to do something? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you parents, does anything ever frustrate you or, you know, get your craw when your kid does something? Does lying, you know, does it raise your blood pressure slightly when your kids are lying to you? Frankly, it should. That's wrong. We can start putting down things. Okay, if somebody's doing business dishonestly... I don't need to go and oh, whoever it was. Travis, you were showing me about how today one of the coaches in the game that they lost, they took their laptop and they crashed the laptop multiple times. Things like, I'm not talking crazy anger like that. Uncontrolled. But should we be frustrated if somebody is dishonest in their business? Enough that motivates us to not do business with them anymore. I think that's appropriate. Is it appropriate that we get frustrated with politicians, like in Washington, pushing evil agendas? Yes. Is it appropriate for us to be upset over these items that we've just mentioned? Absolutely. How about when people use God's name in vain? That should irritate us. The problem is we get so used to it, it doesn't bother us anymore. What about this one? What about propagation of false doctrines? That should frustrate us that somebody is promoting something that is untrue. It should frustrate us that immature believers are stumbled. Because when they are stumbled by us, older believers, we cause them to sin against Christ. That should frustrate us to say, I don't want to do that. And motivated that I don't want to be a part of it. Disobedience of our children. That doesn't mean you go crazy and beat your child. But it means that, hey, I've got to. Now, this is me. This is me, and this is my silliness. There were times when my kids disobeyed, and it was funny. Yeah, that's what I would do. I would, I would giggle and laugh, and then I would sit back and go, that was so cute, I can't do anything. Yeah, there were some moments that happened. But in reality, in reality, should their disobedience cause me to say, hey, I've got to curb this. I have got to be upset Enough that I am purposely going to stop them. Even though it might look funny or they might be cute, I've got to correct it under control. They're adding gay at self. We should... I don't know about you, but I think it's appropriate to look in the mirror and sometimes, how could you do that, Wayne? How could you say that? So that I am motivated to change. What about this one? Lack of compassion shown by others. Does it bother you if somebody... Just just ignores other people or discounts other people or talks about other people. I remember, I remember a situation, it was quite a while back, that a couple of our teenagers were talking about another teenager and I walked by them in the foyer and they were talking about how that other teenage girl, she just comes from a poor family, she doesn't know how to dress appropriately and I'm not going to talk to her. That really ticked me off. Not to the point that I was out of control, but enough to motivate me to say, I need to talk to you two girls. Your attitude is wrong. That you're discounting somebody based on their income, based on their level of what their parents can afford. That's wrong. Don't you agree? Okay. So you look and say, okay, what about when somebody tries to corrupt worship of God? Okay, and tries to introduce something that is really not appropriate. That should get our ire. And I'm not saying out of control, but it should say we're going to stand up for what's right, because oftentimes, if we don't get irritated, we don't. We just say, okay, we'll just walk by. Sometimes we ought not to walk by, and so it's appropriate at moments. So let's add this third thought: getting angry can and, be, and most often does become wrong. It is sin. And that's where he's warning us because oftentimes when we get upset, it leads us into doing something that is wrong. So he warns us, stop. And by the way, the verbiage in these words where it says, and sin not, neither give place to the devil. Both the verbs there mean stop doing this. Believers are doing this. They are, at that time, they are letting their temper get the best of them and they're sinning. They are letting themselves to let their temper, their anger, their frustration, get to the point that Satan is getting a victory. So he's warning them, hey, stop doing this. Stop doing this. You've got to stop. And so you and I need to answer this question, when, and it's not going to be in this verse, but when does my anger become sinful? When does my upsetness become sinful? Can my upsetness with what happens in abortions, can my upsetness turn into a sinful response on my part? How so? Can you think of somebody that gets upset and then they take it to the point that what they're doing is wrong? Okay, t- I think a couple of you said Going and attacking the doctor physically? Killing him? Attacking the clinic? Bombing clinics? We know that that would be wrong. So we say, okay, where do we go with this? Let's answer this, this question. When does our anger become wrong biblically? Okay, and some of this I can't answer totally. I can't say when, when, you know, this, but give you general truth here. One of the general truths is this. When we get angry for no real good reason... I'm basing that on Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus is talking and he's saying, You have heard it said that you should not kill your brother. That's true. Murder is wrong. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill. Okay? Thou shalt not murder is the idea. We know that's true. But Jesus carries it on a little bit further. And he raises the bar and he says, But I say unto you, and he makes this comment, Whosoever is angry with his brother, and he adds some other things, and he says, Without a cause... What does he mean by that? He's saying without a justification. That sometimes he's implying that people get upset when they really don't have a reason to get upset. They're impatient, they're irritated, and they feel justified, but they really aren't. The one classic illustration that, again, was just preached on by Pastor Art. Who's the classic illustration of somebody who felt justified in getting angry, but he was never in the right? Jonah. Jonah. Jonah was absolutely wrong in getting upset with the Lord and wanting to have this vengeance wrought upon the Ninevites. And that was all explained in that study. He was wrong. He felt justified, but from a Bible point of view, his was without a cause. Let me give you another illustration. Saul is angry with David. He feels totally justified. But his reason for getting angry with David was basically it's rooted in what other sin jealousy, jealousy, and he let it just go to the point where he tries to kill David. Here's one. Samson is upset with his parents when his parents say, can't you find a woman who's amongst the Jews? Why do you have to run to the, um, um, it begins with a P. the Philistines. Thank you. Why does he, I was thinking Philippians and I knew that was wrong. Okay. Why does he have to, why do you have to go to the Philistine woman and find somebody there? And so he's upset that his parents would put some type of barrier standard. He felt totally justified, but he was wrong. We have this situation. Martha is very upset with Mary. She's really upset enough that she comes to Jesus and she says, won't you do something about my sister who just sits here and doesn't help me in the kitchen? Because Martha is busy, 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 busy. Doing what she felt was important, but she self-assigned herself to doing all this extra work. And her sister wasn't working at the same level she was. So she gets upset with her sister. But Jesus makes it clear, her sister has chosen, do you remember? Your sister has chosen the one better thing. Sitting and taking the moment of learning at the feet of Jesus. And so does that ever happen today that we get frustrated by others not contributing the way we contribute? And so we make that we make ourselves, assign ourselves so much, and then are we justified in having this anger? James and John get really upset at one time. Do you remember why they're upset? Do you, do you remember the occasion? Jesus, that city did not welcome us. Shall we call do you remember what they want to do? Fire from heaven. You got to be pretty ticked off to call down fire from heaven, to even think about it. That's because they felt justified that we aren't being treated as good as we think we should be treated. We're inconvenienced. They aren't recognizing us. But Jesus says, hey, wait a minute. If you have those moments that's without a cause, you have to stop and reevaluate. am I really justified in God's eyes for being angry about this thing? Is it really you know, that big of a deal? Where he goes on. When Here's another time it becomes wrong. When we overreact by some wrong action or wrong words. Okay, maybe we might even be justified in the moment, but you're not justified in abusing your kids. You're not justified in tearing down your kids when you're disciplining them for sin that they have done, which is appropriate. But you're not right in the way you're doing it. So what we need to do is say, okay, here, what did Jesus say? Whosoever says to his brother, Rakha and he says, or calls him thou fool. Now here's an interesting thought, is when you go through that text, we're really not sure. I know that there's lots of thoughts out here, but amongst the, the, the you know, predominant amount of scholars, we really don't know what rechah really meant. Yeah, exactly. But we know this, that either the term raka or the word thou fool, then there's multiple suggestions of what those words actually meant. But either way, the bottom line is they were derogatory terms. I'm calling somebody down. I'm belittling somebody. I'm tearing them down. So if in my words, I'm angry and in my anger, I'm saying something that is offensively tearing down somebody, calling them names, that's inappropriate. That's just wrong. Because Jesus says, if that happens, he says, then you're in danger of the council or in danger of hellfire. This is inappropriate for believers. In Ephesians, and I already mentioned this earlier, putting away bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking. Every single one of those terms deals with speech when they're in this context, how we speak to people. And if you're in my Sunday school lesson next week, we're going to show about how this is just a progression in speech. And so here's another one. James writes, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger or wrath, for the wrath of man works not the righteousness. So you've got to be careful because how do we respond? Here's another reason that it could be wrong, is if we, our anger moves us to retaliate to seek vengeance, to try to get back at somebody. Okay, striking back, we know that verbally or physical striking back, it's wrong. Jesus said, if somebody slaps you on the cheek, do what? Okay, turn the other cheek. Now, we can talk all about, and if you come on Wednesdays when we do the Bible studies, we've, we've ex- explored this, examined this. He's not talking against self-defense, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But in this text, he's talking about how do you respond to people who really get you upset you know, because of your faith, because of your walk. And what do you do? If they hit you, if they strike you, if they tear down your faith, I'm going to strike back at them, and I'm going to you know, rip them apart, or I'm going to physically attack them, which was part of the Jewish culture that you were and the Roman culture. If you let somebody hit you and didn't strike back, boy, you're a weakling. And so they were taught that. And he's saying, I want you to rise above that. I don't want you to retaliate and doing that because you have heard an eye for an eye. You've heard a revenge factor, a strike back. But I say unto you, turn the other cheek. Here's a thought for you where he says in Romans 12, recompense to no man evil for evil, live peaceably with all men. I should add, there's a phrase right before that. As much as lies within you, live peaceably with all men. What's that mean? You've got to do everything you can to live peaceably. You've got to put great effort into it. Don't just say, okay, I tried. You've got to biblically, as a Christian, how do I deal with somebody who there's an irritation between us? How do I live peaceably as much as lies within you? Live peacefully, dearly beloved. Avenge not yourselves, neither give place to wrath. Here's another one. When we let our anger fester and do not deal with the offense, it is wrong to be upset. And then you say, well, I'm not going to deal with it. I'm just going to let it go. But as you let it go, it festers in your heart. And where does it usually lead people? What usually comes into their spirit as time goes by? Bitterness. Bitterness. Jesus has written in his word, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, cease from anger, forsake wrath, follow peace with all men in holiness, lest any root of bitterness spring up, may trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. We're going to talk more about that bitterness next week. Here's another reason we let our anger control us and not us control it. It's wrong. If Other drivers, they frustrate me. Nobody drives as wisely as I do, okay? And, and I'm, I'm saying that jokingly, please, okay? We, we think we've, we're driving the right way. When somebody drives in a way that they're going too fast, too slow, too close, whatever, do you ever in your spirit want to, okay, they were on my bumper. Now I'm going to slow down and they're going to get ahead of me. And what is your spirit want to do? get up on their bumper. And it's like, well, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is their wisdom, is your anger running you or are you running it? By you starting to tailgate somebody, are you wisely, wisely putting your de- family and others in danger, your own vehicle? You know, what if they react? Where does this stop? And, and most of us, we say, okay, we read the stories, we're not living there, but road rage is a real thing. Okay? So, does it control you or it? When we express or handle anger in a way that stumbles other Christians, I I would implore you, I would implore you as parents, please examine, watch, let let me rephrase this, how do your kids handle anger? Typically, they practice what they've Seen. Mo- they you're their model. So in a reality, how do you speak to your kids when you're upset? Do you get harsh? Do you slam things down? Do you when you're watching a game, when you're watching sports, do you have to be screaming at? The, by the way, just to let you know, they don't hear you at the other end. Okay, your screaming isn't going to make any difference. Okay but you're yelling and you're screaming and you're all upset, then when your kids play sports, do they get upset with other kids? Where did they learn that? Where did they learn to all of a sudden speak harshly? I know it's part of the sin nature, but speak harshly to their brother or sister. To say something in in a fit of rage, they just respond back to you. you. Did you give that as an example? the way you talk to each other, the way you talk to them when something goes wrong. They are younger believers. Do you remember what the Word of God says? That we sin if we stumble younger believers. When we trip them up in such and such a way. So what we want to say is, okay, here's another thought, and I'm going to stop right here. Thought is when we delay or refuse to seek reconciliation. This is when our temper, our anger is wrong. We refuse to reconcile. We delay in reconciling. Let's close with this passage. According to this text, when are you supposed to seek a reconciliation with somebody if there's a problem between you and them? They've gotten ticked with you or vice versa. What's that? How, how do you get the right away out of here, Jim? If you bring your gift to the altar, what do you do? You leave the gift and you go and get reconciled. You know what he's talking about? You live in the Old Testament era? You live in Galilee where he preached this sermon. You live in Galilee, how long would it take you to get to the temple to offer a sacrifice? Several days. Would, it, would that be an expensive trip? Yeah, so you travel several days. While you're there making sacrifice in worship, you remember that your family member is really ticked with you. You're supposed to leave your gift, go back home, make it right, and then come back again. That's a lot of effort that most all of us would say, I'm not, that's too much effort. That's what Jesus was getting at. You're supposed to make the effort to reconcile. In our hearts, who's supposed to reconcile? If, if Deb and I were to have some tense moments, okay, who is supposed to reconcile? Surely, she is. In every occasion. Biblically, who's supposed to? If I know it's there, I'm supposed to take the first step. By the way, if she knows it's there, She's supposed to take the step too. But but wait a minute, Will, you know, that that might be too much that I would admit that I overreacted. Uh Uh-uh. It's not too much for you as a believer. You need to say, okay, what does the Word of God tell me? It tells me that I'm supposed to deal with this ASAP. As soon as possible, be reconciled. In fact, he goes a little bit further and he says, and if there's others, if your adversary who wants to take you to court... You know, and try to get you to pay up quickly. Agree with them quickly. Settle this thing up quickly. Again, that's the biblical principle. Live peaceably with all men in a righteous way. When we needlessly provoke others, fathers, don't provoke your kids to wrath. You know, guys, we are not justified in using our kids as in a way of like a boxing bag. And I'm not talking physically, but in a verbal sense for me to express my frustration. I can take it on, on my kids because they're my kids. No, you're not supposed to do that. They are God's property loaned to you. You are supposed to be very, very careful. Check how you react to different things. Might I suggest this? In all seriousness, check how you react to the news. Watch how your temper, and it's righteous indignation, but watch how you respond to the news. What are you teaching those in your household? Are you teaching it's okay because in anger I think that the president is a buffoon? We still have to respect the office. So You've got to be careful. Okay, Watch how you how you portray your reaction to different inflation. Be careful. Be cautious. You're affecting others. And you are supposed to be a person that is controlled by the Spirit, the Spirit of God, not the Spirit of your anger and frustration. Father, I pray that as we pick up next week and talk more about this, help us to just this week do a lot of examining, watching ourselves, when there's going to be the delays in the car. Could be delays for these guys going to the airport. And then delay. How do they react? How do they react? There's going to be delays in something purchased. How do we react? We're going to be inconvenienced at times. How do we react? Father, help us to be wise. Help us to be sensitive to some of these areas that we would truly examine and not just keep on doing the SOS, same old stuff. Help us to really address some of the anger issues that we deal with in our daily life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening.